Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning. Great to see you guys. If you're joining us uh, live, we're super grateful. If you're online, uh, avoiding the giant snowstorm of 2022, then uh, I did hear someone that said they had two and a half feet at their house. It all depends on where you live. And so great to, to see you guys here today. A couple of quick things we're getting the message. Uh, I do wanna remind you, please register for which of our four uh, Christmas Eve services, the 23rd and the 24th, you're going to attend. Some of those will fill up, we'll close those registrations after they're full, so please register. The sooner you do, the more options you'll have and the more you'll help us be able to plan well. Over the last few weeks, I've shared with you about our Christmas offering for this year and how it's not uncommon for churches like ours to see as much as 40% of their annual uh, giving come in the last part of the year. I wanted to share with you today, um, last year, as, it, as a part of your generosity at the end of the year, we were able to partner with a local ministry nonprofit called the Empowerment Center. The leadership of the Empowerment Center actually attend uh, Life Church, and, and, and how we were able to partner with them on this project where, where they're opening up a, a large, brand new uh, transitional family housing complex. People coming out of homelessness, people coming out of recovery. And so uh, last year, as a part of our Christmas offering, we were able to help them furnish some of the units. So I got to take a tour this week of this brand new complex off of Marvel Way. That's some of the furniture that you guys uh, helped us uh, um, pay for to help them. And so I just wanted to make it very real that, that your generosity allows us to make a difference in our church, in our city, and around the world. And we are grateful. Uh, last week, we kicked off the new series that we're calling My Grown-Up Christmas Wish, and how uh, kids have a very clear sense of what they want for Christmas. Sometimes as adults, uh, I struggle to say, this is really what I, um, I'm asking for Christmas, and when my family asks me. But I do think inside of all of us as adults, there are these deep longings that we desire, these ultimate longings, and that's what we're talking about today. Here's today's grown-up Christmas wish. I wish for peace on earth, or at the very least, more peace in me. And so today we're gonna talk about this aspect of peace at Christmas. If you have your Bibles, go over to Luke chapter two. That was the poorest touch here for the Bible I may have heard here in a year. Let's open up to Luke chapter two. That's good. Luke two, verse 10. Is one of the most common uh, passages that you hear read at Christmas. Uh, but the angel said to the shepherds, uh, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Some translations say, and peace on earth, goodwill to 
Man, and now when the Bible talks about peace, it's the in the Hebrew it's this word shalom, and the Greek it's this word irene, and and so when we're when we're talking about peace in the Bible, when we think about peace, we're like, hey, it would be great if there was peace between Russia and the Ukraine. We're talking about no longer having an active conflict, no longer having a war. If you get in a in a spat with your spouse and there's just like this ongoing kind of tension, you're like, hey, can we call a truce and let's have peace. And, and that's what we, we think in terms of a, a ending of hostilities. A, and, but and when the Bible talks about peace, it's so much more. It's this idea of, of things flourishing and wholeness. The idea of things being, that they, being the way they were supposed to be, where, where there is no injustice and there is no poverty and there is no broken relationships and sickness and sadness and crying and dying. It's this idea of things being the way they were supposed to be. And the things being right in the world. And so it's this power-packed concept. And I want you to get this. Peace is the promise of Christmas. This promise of, of, of things being the way they're supposed to be. I think there's something inside of us that, that, that looks around the world, whether it's looking at what's right in front of you and, and your own experience, maybe at your work or in your family, or, or maybe as simple as just watching the news, but there's something inside of us that just recognizes things aren't the way they're supposed to be. There's this incredible brokenness and, and, this, and there's something inside of us that longs for peace in our own life, but really just longs for things to be different in the world. And peace is the promise of Christmas. Now, here's the thing about that passage in Luke that we've, if you've been in a Christmas service before, you've heard it read. It's it, to really understand that promise. You, you really have to, to look at a prophecy written 700 years before, a passage that also gets read at Christmas a lot. Isaiah chapter nine and verse six says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now this is written 700 years before Jesus came. And the government will be on his shoulders. That next time you just get frustrated with the government think one day the government will be on his shoulders. It's gonna be better. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, these power-packed titles. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. So he, he'll be called the Prince of Peace. There's gonna be no end to the peace that he is going to establish. He's going to establish it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so when those angels are, are talking to those shepherds, talking, say, hey, hey, there's been a baby born and he's going to bring peace on earth. There is this echo of this prophecy written 700 years ago. Now, 700 years before that moment. Now, how many of you, I don't know if you have anyone in your family like this or friends, but do you ever have anyone in your life that like they, when they wrap a gift, it's not just wrapping a gift, they're giving you like a, like a, like a scavenger hunt, a, a, a project. It's gonna be like, like multiple boxes inside boxes. Anyone, anyone ever do that for you? And, and I, 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 for me, if someone's doing that, there's something in my heart that's like, for every minute this has taken me to open this, I'm expecting 50 more dollars spent on this gift. <laughs> Don't ask me to spend five minutes on a $5 gift. 
Um, but you know, you've got like the wrapping paper and then a box, and then maybe uh, inside that box is another wrapped box, and inside another that, that box, and then there's this other wrapped box, and it's like kind of, well, there, that's kind of what we're doing this morning. And that, and that for us to really understand this peace thing that we see in Luke chapter two, we have to look at this passage that we see in Isaiah nine, six and, and forward. But, but for us to really understand all that's being said in Isaiah chapter nine, we have to see the end of Isaiah chapter eight. Let me show this to you. Isaiah chapter eight and verse 19. It says, when, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists. Well, it says when someone encourages you to call the psychic hotline, <laughs> who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? And so what Isaiah is saying, is he's saying, hey, well, you, you guys are, are, instead of turning to God, you're looking to every other source for direction and for wisdom and for help and instruction. And then he says, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? He says, hey, you're going to this psychic and you're hoping they can help you talk to your grandma because she was super helpful back in the day, is, is what he's saying. He says, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. What he's saying is, is he's saying, instead of just turning to God, you're looking to turn everywhere else you possibly can turn. Instead of just turning to him, instead of you, you're going to psychics, you're trying to talk to your dead grandma. He says, and have you thought about what if you just prayed? And what if you just read the Bible? What if you just turned to God instead? Just consult God's instruction, the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Now it gets really, it becomes a big downer. Distressed and hungry. They will roam through the land when they are famished. So he says, hey, you guys have done everything you could to not turn back to God. You've looked to kind of fix problems yourself. You've gone to try to go and, and find a, a psychic to help you. You talked to your dead grandma to help you. You've done everything except turn to God. And, and how's that working for you? It's not going well. He says, now, now you're finding yourself in this darkness. Now, when we think of darkness, well, you know, and most of the time in our life, if we experience darkness, we can solve that issue in a matter of seconds. We can flip a light switch, we can pull out our iPhone and turn on the flashlight, and you never have, we don't experience a lot of dark, but in the ancient world, like there, there was times where you, it would just be darkness like you couldn't imagine, and unless you, you, you had a source of a fire, it was going to stay dark. He says, so you're in darkness, and, and you're starving, you're famished, and, and, and things are going terrible. And here's what he says. He says, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse the king and their God. Have, have you ever known someone, or maybe it was you, have you ever known someone who intentionally didn't do what they knew God wanted them to do, and then life gets bad, and then they blame God. That's what, he, what he's saying. He said, hey, you guys aren't seeking God. You're going to psychics, trying to talk to your dead grandma, doing everything you can to not turn back to God. And he says, but you're finding yourself wandering around in darkness. You're starving. Everything's terrible. And now you're mad at God about it. And God's like, hey, I, I didn't tell you to date that girl. That was your idea, not mine. 
I didn't tell you to marry that man that didn't love me. That was your idea. You did what you knew I didn't want you to do, and now you're mad at me about it. You ever had that kind of moment? You're mad at God, and you're like, well, maybe this isn't God's fault. Maybe it's my fault. And so, he, so these people are doing everything they can not to turn to God. Life's really terrible. Now they're mad at God about it. It says, and then they will look towards the earth, and, it's, and it gets, just gets worse. None of you guys have memorized these verses. None of you have T-shirts with these verses. None of them are on your fridge because they're downers. It says, then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. It doesn't get worse than fearful gloom. Except, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. He paints this picture of all of the terrible. People aren't seeking God. They're trying to figure out the problems on their own. They're trying to fix it themselves, find other solutions. Life's going terribly. And, and, but then, then we go to chapter nine, verse one. And it says, Nevertheless, now when you're reading a, 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 a chapter or a, chat or a portion of scripture, there are words like therefore or nevertheless, where, where the, the writer is clearly saying, hey, this thing I'm talking about is directly based on the thing I was just talking about. And so I, I, I you know, as this is being written I, from Isaiah, he's saying, hey, uh, this never, things were really, really, really terrible, nevertheless. There will be no more gloom. It's a message of hope. For those who were in distress, distress. And the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. Do you guys know anyone from Galilee? Yeah. It's like a nothing town, but it's where Jesus spent a lot of time. And it's this, it's like if you're like, hey, something great's gonna come out of Tonopah. You're like, nope, no it ain't. And so, uh, anyone here grow up Tonopah? Aren't you glad to be out? Glad to be out? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, this is 700 years before Jesus, right? It says, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We see some of these verses quoted in Matthew, talking about John the Baptist, come preparing the way for Jesus. He says, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So it's this message of hope. It says, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest. He says, he says you're no longer hungry. He says, but, but you're, 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 it's like it's Thanksgiving, man. The harvest has come. You've got plenty to eat. You're no longer famished in the darkness and the desert. It's like, man, you've got, the harvest has come. You've got plenty to eat. He says, uh, you, you've, um, you're as warriors rejoicing when they dividing the plunder. He says, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. He says, hey, man, think, things, are, things are looking up. You've got plenty to eat, and the oppressor has been, has been defeated. You're no longer experiencing any of that. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, a fuel for the fire. He says, hey, there's this peace. We no longer need weapons of war. Things are that good. It'd be like if, if, the, if the president came out and said, hey, man, we're disbanding the military. 
And we're getting rid of all the nukes and all the tanks and all the bullets because all we see everywhere around is just peace and goodness. We would think that if, that if that was said, we would think, oh, that guy's lost his mind. But that's the message here from Isaiah. He says, hey, he paints this picture of these people who are trying to solve all their problems themselves and it's absolutely impossible and things get worse than we can possibly imagine. And then, but he says, but nevertheless, there's still hope. And then he paints this picture of things getting better than we could possibly imagine. And that's the buildup to the verses we hear at Christmas all the time. How's it all gonna happen? Where's the peace coming from? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So it's what we see here is that peace is the promise of Christmas. That, and, and, and this is, and here's the thing about that promise. The promise of Christmas is this. Everything is far worse than we realize. See, I, I honestly see this as one of the better things of the last few years, is that, uh, is how messy things have been, has kind of awakened us to like, oh, this, this, this place is not perfect. And, and, that, and that things are worse than we realize. Now there's, there's, there's I believe there's been times in history especially in America, especially for affluent people in America, where it was, it was probably pretty easy to come to a belief of, hey, th th sure, there's some problems, but things are, are mostly pretty good. And, and, and for sure, there's good things in life and there's blessings that we should be grateful for, but, but it's clear that there's things about our human experience both internally in ourselves and in our country and in our world, people experiencing injustice, injustice sickness and, and dying and broken relationships, all of these things. And so the message of, 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 of Isaiah, that last part of chapter eight, is things really are worse than, than, we, can, than we realize. It's, 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 it's good news like that. Uh, jokes. Um, but we are in, but here's the next thing about this promise of Christmas we're incapable of solving our own problems. Things are worse than we realize, and we're incapable of solving these problems. And, and, and so what, 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 there's been a belief for hundreds of years that as technology advanced, that, that it was all, and, and there's no doubt there's good things about technology, and I'm grateful to have a car and an air conditioner and all, all the things, but that, that, that somehow we could like solve all the world's problems through, through just enough gadgets, and, and that's gonna make everything better. But, but has it? Has it made everything better? And that through science, that, that I'm grateful for, for advances in medicine and all that, but this idea that, that it, through, through, through advances in science that it was just gonna solve all the world's problems. And the United Nations, nearly 100 years ago, was, was founded with the idea of, hey, if we can just get all the smart people together, then we can make sure there's no more wars, not ever. None of that stuff has worked. None of it. People are more unhappy than ever. People have more anxiety than ever. People have more depression and stress than ever. 
And, and, and none of that stuff has worked. And so things are worse than we could possibly imagine. And our efforts to solve them ourselves will never work. Because that's what we see in the last half of Isaiah chapter 8. He said, hey, you're doing everything you can to try to figure it all out. And you're thinking, man, if I go to a psychic, if I just get, if I, maybe I can be spiritual but not really believe in God. And maybe I, and all these things. He says, well, none of that's working. It's only gotten worse. But then there is this hope. That, that, that God has not left us to solve our problems on our own. It's this hope, it's the promise of Christmas that there's a child that's gonna be born, a son that's going to be given, and that, and that he's the one who's the prince of peace, the, the, the one who will bring peace on earth ultimately, the, the one who, who is the one that can make everything right. He, he's going, and so what we see is this. With, with Jesus, what we see with the first coming is because of the first coming. See, if you grew up in a more liturgical church, Catholic church, Episcopal church, Anglican church, that uh, Presbyterian church, many, and, and we do it sometimes. Some years we emphasize what's called the Advent, uh, the Advent uh, um, season as a part of the church calendar. And as a part of the Advent season, which we're in right now, it says, it's, it's thought of as this build up to Christmas. But what the church has always understood is as we anticipate celebrating what's already occurred, the first coming of Jesus. And because of the first coming of Jesus, we can experience peace with God and peace in ourselves and, and take steps towards peace with others. We'll talk more about all that in a minute. But, but at the same time that we anticipate celebrating the first coming of Jesus, we look forward to the second coming of Jesus where he's going to come back. See, these, these prophecies in, a, in Isaiah chapter nine about the government being upon his shoulders and his peace never ending and him reigning as, as on the throne of David forever and ever and ever. And, and this peace, this idea that everything wrong in the world has been made right. See, with Jesus' first coming, we can have peace with God and, and peace in ourselves and, and take steps towards peace and love in our relationships, but it's his second coming that we look forward to where there will be real forever peace on so peace is the promise of Christmas. And here's the thing. So, and then peace is the purpose of Christmas. See, even though Jesus has not yet come back to make everything right in the world, even now we can experience real peace ourselves. Because of Christmas, I can have peace with God. Romans chapter five, verse one. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, made right with God by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because Jesus came, lived the perfect life I could never live, died the death that I deserve to die, taking the punishment I deserve, punishment you deserve upon himself, rose from the dead, conquering our greatest enemies because Jesus was born a little baby, born that he might die. He died that we might live and have peace with God. So because of Christmas, I can have peace with God. Because of Christmas, I can have peace inside myself. Because of Christmas, I, I can have peace inside myself. I don't have to go through life with a bunch. A lot of times the reason people don't have peace inside themselves is they're going through life with a bunch of guilt and regret and shame. But because of Jesus, because Jesus came at Christmas, because Jesus came, I can have peace inside myself. 
Because Jesus came, I, I don't have to worry about the future. I, I, can, I, I can go, I, can, I don't have to fear the future because I know that God loves me. His intentions towards me are good. He proved that in Jesus coming to die in my place. I know that one day he's going to make everything right. Because of Christmas, I can have peace with people who are very different from me or people that I may have considered my enemies. Ephesians chapter two, verse 14, Paul says this, for he, Jesus, himself is our peace. So what he's talking about is, is that the idea that historically, Jews and people that weren't Jews didn't, didn't associate, didn't get along, sometimes they were enemies. And he, but what Paul's talking about is that, is that because of what Jesus has done, he's made peace between these two groups that didn't have anything in common historically, didn't even like each other, and were enemies at various times. It says, for he himself is our peace, who's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So because of Christmas, I can have peace with people different from me. Because of Christmas, I can have a peace knowing that one day there will be perfect peace, that things will be made right in the world. And so we talked about these prophecies of Christmas that came 700 years before Jesus came. There's also prophecies about what will happen when Jesus comes back and makes everything right. In Isaiah chapter 11, just a couple of chapters after we were looking a few minutes ago, it's this picture of how perfect things will be one day. It says, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. So here's this picture we're getting. He's saying, one day, when Jesus comes back and makes everything right in the world, he says, so, so all, of the, all of the ways in which nature is fallen, and so, so when we go and, and, and we're walking in the forest and you hear, and, it's, and the sun's beginning to come down, you hear a little noise in this and you think, oh, that could be a bear. I need to make sure that bear doesn't eat me. He says, hey, when, when one day it's all, there's gonna, everything that's wrong in the world will be right. And you just see a bear, you're just gonna be like, oh, let's go pet this nice, friendly bear. Or you're, or you're going through, through, uh, through uh, on a hike and, and, and you hear a little noise, you're like, oh, and you look and you say, oh, there's a mountain lion there and your alarms come up. And he says, hey, one day that, 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 there's, that nature's gonna be fully restored and so there won't be hurricanes that cause people to lose property and die and suffer. None of that's gonna happen. No tornadoes and no wildfires. He says the creation is going to be, have such shalom, such peace. It's all gonna be made right. He's like, hey, you're gonna let, you would let your babies play with cobras. Oh, isn't that so cute? The baby's over there with the cobra because everything's gonna be right in the world. He says, that's how perfect it's gonna be. And he says, and they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Why? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
Here's the last point and we're done. Peace is too often the missing piece of Christmas. Too often as we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, we feel less peace than other times of the year. Raise your hand if sometimes you get stressed out around the holidays. I mean, there's things that stress us out. And it's like, this is all about the fact that, that things couldn't be more messy and that there's no way we could solve it ourselves, but that God didn't leave us in our mess and that he came to do what we couldn't do and that now we have peace with him, we have peace inside, we can have peace with people we're different from that we even see as our enemies and that one day he's going to come back and bring perfect peace, peace on earth. Everything's gonna be made right, but somehow in the, in the time where we should be the most peaceful, sometimes he's, Peace is the missing piece. I believe oftentimes a lack of peace. See, here's the thing. The normal state for a Christian should be to be walking in peace. Now, this doesn't mean that there's not seconds where we're a little stressed. You, you know, someone, someone like is about to ram into your car and, and you have that minute, like if you, you kind of this, the adrenaline goes and you're just kind of freaked out for a minute. There's seconds, there's minutes, there's, there's most brief moments where we feel a little stressed or a little anxious. There's moments like that. But, but the basic, the, the normal mode for the Christian ought to be peace, this sense where things are right between me and God, things are right with me on the inside, things are right with me and, and people in my life. But I believe, here's the thing, so what, la what a lack of peace, moments of anxiety and stress that linger are, are, any of you guys have a vehicle that like when you're about to hit something, it begins to beep at you? Now, as it happens, sometimes I like, I'm like, is, am I really about to hit something or is that sensor dirty? And so then I'm like, oh, I don't know, do I need to, so then I just go slowly and I'm like, if I bump it, I bump it softly. And so, uh, um, but those sensors are helpful. They're letting you know, hey, things, you're, you're in a, a moment of caution. You should become much more aware of what's going on with you or your car or your surroundings. And I believe that, that the moments where, where we have prolonged uh, moments where, where we're not experiencing the peace of God, where it's not like we're stressed for a few minutes, but, but it's a, a lingering thing. We're not anxious for a few minutes, but it's a lingering thing. I believe that that, can act, that feeling can actually be a gift if we'll pay attention to it. It can be a gift, it can be like an alarm going off, a caution sensor going off, and the caution could be a, could, could be a matter of misplaced priorities. See, the thing is, if, if, you're, if you are normally, and I'm not talking about brief moments, I'm not talking about a couple of days here or a couple of weeks there, but if the normal pattern of your life is, is that you are too busy, that you're not experiencing peace, that's not a calendar problem, that's a priorities problem. So, so that, 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 that alarm of anxiety that lingers, it can be an alarm saying, uh, of, hey, hey, do I have misplaced priorities? It could be, am I, is it misplaced hopes? If every time someone in your life is, is, is sad or freaked out, if every, not that we don't care, not that we don't love them, not that we don't try to help, but if every time someone else is crazy becomes your crazy, you're putting too much hope there. It's a misplaced hope. Where, and, 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 and not that we don't care, not that we don't try to help, but, if, but if, it's, if, if that's always what happened, it could be an alarm of misplaced priorities, misplaced hopes, or misplaced trust. 
And, and, and so that, that, those moments where we're not, there's a prolonged period where we're not experiencing the peace of God, that can be a helpful alarm, like that sensor on your car that says, hey, what's going on with me? What's going on with my surroundings? What's going on with my heart? Where am I placing my priorities, my, tr- my hopes, and my trust? And so what happens many times in the holidays is we are stressed because we're doing too much. I don't know about you. I, sometimes I try to look for the upside of the COVID season. And occasionally I can find some. And a lot of downsides for sure. Here's the great upside of the COVID season. If you are, have like, some of you this week, you've got four parties that's on, on your calendar. You want to go to two of them. But out of obligation, out of just, oh gosh, if we don't, then what are they gonna say? Now, if it's your work party and they're gonna think you're not a team player, you probably should try to go. Um, but if you work at Life Church, we've already had our party and most people came. Other people, we're gonna miss. And so, um, uh, I, jokes, guys. And so, um, the, uh, but some of you have four parties this week. You only wanna go to two of them. Here's the gift of COVID. You say, my kid's got the sniffles. I don't know about you. Mike, it's been six months since nobody in my house had the sniffles. My kid's got the sniffles. I think it might be COVID. I don't want to give everybody this party COVID. We'd love to go. Now, that's a half lie. We'd love to go in an alternate universe. You don't have to tell them all the details. We'd love to go, but don't want to take COVID. We're going to miss you guys. It's the get out of jail free card. It's, almost, it's, all, it's sort of the other best side of COVID and the best side of having young children. Oh, we really wanted to go. Couldn't get a babysitter. We're gonna miss you guys. I mean, we believed in that so much, we adopted extra kids just for that get out of jail free card. And uh, oh gosh, our older girls are too much. Can't use them as an excuse, but gosh, now it's like, oh, we wish we could come, but, but we just don't want to. And so... Um, But listen, we get stressed at the holidays because we're doing too much. Don't be a victim like I've gotta do all. You don't have to go. Tell them your pastor said so. We end up being too busy. We end up spending too much money. We put too much pressure on ourselves and everyone else to make things perfect. The disappointment of some relationships feels amplified at the holidays. And and, and what all of these things are rooted in is I'm putting my focus, my priorities, my hopes, my trust on all of these external things, losing sight of what Christmas is all about. It's, this, it's all about the fact that, that things are much worse inside of me and inside of this whole world than I ever could realize. And that left to myself, going to talk to the psychic hotline, just doing some spiritual self-help, all of this stuff left to myself, I could never fix it. But that God didn't leave us to ourselves to fix it, that, that he came born as a baby to, to, to live the life, I, perfect life I could never live, to die the death I deserve to die, to conquer the, my greatest fears and anxieties, which is the fear of death, take away all of my guilt and shame so I don't have to go, so, so that I might have peace with God now 
peace inside myself from him. Now, the ability to have peace with people that, I, that are totally different from me because he becomes this common denominator. Now, with this hope and anticipation that just like he came the first time to bring peace with him and, and, and peace inside ourselves, that, that he's going to come again and bring peace on earth. And what that means is he's going to make everything wrong in the world right. It's what it's all about. The, uh, there's a poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, written by Henry's, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Later, it's been set to music. There's been two or three different uh, songs based on this poem. It was written in the Christmas of 1863. The Civil War is raging. Longfellow recently had lost his wife in a terrible fire. His son had recently been wounded severely in the Civil War. And it was Christmas 1863 that he wrote this poem. And the poem's been set to, to music. And, I, I, and I'm gonna play a little video that, where that, this, this song that's based on this poem set to music, but the lyrics are on the screen. And, and what I want you to do is, yeah, as you watch this, and, and think about this idea that, that, that Christmas is about me experiencing peace now, and then one day in the future, there'll be peace on earth. Everything wrong will be made right. Check out this video. I heard the bells on Christmas Day their old familiar carols play And mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells are ringing Like a about that poem 
is he acknowledges the reality of in the middle of the civil war, it doesn't feel like there's peace on earth. He's like, it feels like hate is winning. There's how, how in the world is, is, is this peace on earth promise ever to be fulfilled? But then that verse that, that was it just sung, he says, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. That one day Jesus is going to come again and, and bring peace on earth. Now I can have peace with God because of Christmas. I can have peace inside myself because of Christmas. I can have peace with others because of the difference that Jesus has life, death, resurrection made. But, but one day he's going to come back and, and make everything wrong Right, and so this Christmas, we look back at Jesus' first coming in gratitude, the peace with God that comes from that, and we look forward to Jesus' coming again where he will bring peace on earth forever and ever and ever. Let's pray. So God, I do pray that you'd help us this Christmas in the midst of all the stuff Remember what it's all about, the peace that can only come from you, the peace that we have with you, the peace you bring in our lives, the peace, the, the, the ability that you give us through your spirit to have peace with people that are different from us, that, 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 that we might have even considered enemies in the past. But God, I do pray that you'd stir in our hearts a longing for that moment where you will come again and wipe away the tear from every eye. And where there will be no more sickness and sadness and crying and dying. But that everything wrong will be made right and we will be with you forever and ever and ever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this and you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.